Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Jaina Mystery. Jaina is the Director of Brand and Content Marketing at Litmus. She leads a team that strives to create captivating and educational content for email marketers of all stripes. An email geek to her core, Jaina's worked in and around email for over 15 years and is now taking her email expertise into the world of brand and content marketing. Welcome to Revenue Rehab, Jaina. Your session begins now. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to talk to you. It is uh, not often that I get a fellow email geek on the couch, so <laughs> it, it is great to kind of fangirl out for a moment and, and be able to talk about something that both of us love. Um, but before we jump into that, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what overused word would you like to get rid of forever? It is the word hacks. Everywhere I'm reading, something is a growth hack. Something is an email marketing hack. Something is a, like a hack to improve performance or engagement. It's not a hack. It's either a true tactic that will help you improve engagement to help you get that ROI, or it's something that you want to call a hack because you're actually really tricking someone to take action. So it's truly not like a, a good, something good you actually want to do, but I do want to just banish the word hacks because they don't really exist. Hacks is not a positive word for us to be using in marketing. I am with you on that. And it's funny you bring that up this morning when my son was in the shower. He likes to have all his morning conversations while he's bathing. And he's like, mom, I learned a great TikTok life hack that I think you can use. And I'm like, oh my God, why do I need life hacks? I'm like, do you think that I'm doing life poorly that I need to figure out how to hack it? Like I almost was having a moment about, you know, and I was like, okay, tell me your TikTok life hack. And to your point, it was just a tactic of, it was about managing your time and I was like, okay, you know, I was like, so you mean tip? Like we, yeah. this is like a tip and yeah. not a hack. So yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> we <laughs> can put hack in the box and we won't talk about any sort of hacks today. Uh, so now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, so as you said, I am a an email geek to my core. I live and breathe email marketing. I adore it. And something that we learned in um, our state of email report, let the state of email report last year is it was based off of a survey off of thousand plus e uh, marketers across the world. And 41% of marketers told us that email was their most effective marketing channel, putting it above social media, putting it above paid search. But marketers sometimes don't know where to start with email because there are so many potential ideas you could be doing lifecycle program, card abandonment emails, newsletters, marketing, promotion emails. There are so many different ways of using email. 
Um, but in the end, email marketing is about human to human interaction. 65% of marketers also told us that they classify direct contact with subscribers as the most beneficial part of email marketing. And like that to me is the perfect place to start with email marketing, thinking about it as a, as a way to build relationships um, with your customers and also kind of create a really good sense of, um, I want to say like emotional tie and an emotional feeling between your customers and subscribers with your brand and creating that kind of positive brand vibe and feeling in the inbox. As soon as someone sees an email from your brand, they're like, oh, I don't even need to, like, I know that's going to be a great email before I even open it. So I think there's, that's kind of where I'm going. Like email marketing is so effective, but it's just, where do you start with it? Awesome. Yeah. And I have so many places that I want to dig in from that summary. Um, but before I do that, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should take away from our discussion today. So what is your best hope for our talk? So for the heads of marketing listening, what do you really hope they walk away with from this discussion? So email marketing, we've, we've looked at the data and has a, it has an ROI of about 36 to one. So you can get $36 for every $1 that you spend on email. That's a massive area of potential, but you need to be able to create effective emails in order to get that 36 to one and potentially even more. So my intention here is to help um, CMOs, the folks out there who have email as part of their marketing tactics to aim for that 36 to one, to, to, to find somewhere to be, we will help you get there um, and then hopefully help you get beyond that 36 to one too. Awesome. Yeah. And because email is a topic that I know, you know, all of our listeners are familiar with in general, I want to jump into some specifics. Um, mm. And so talk about some of the naysayers in, you know, we are an email marketing consultancy. And so this is something we talk about all the time. And whether it be in just everyday conversations with other heads of marketing or with clients, I hear some of the consistent, I wouldn't even say pushback, but sort of, you know, blah opinions in that people are like, you know, the first rebuttal I get is, oh, everyone gets so many emails that, you know, email is, you know, email's not dead, but it's not necessarily effective. And the only reason that these ROI stats exist is because it, you know, is so inexpensive to send hmm. email. And so, you know, what is your response to that? How do you articulate to someone you know, why there's still a value when there's so many tactics out there. Um, you know, how do we get people to really understand the true benefit here? I will start by saying, like, I totally see that point of email is cheap to run. I mean, that's not something that I'm going to hide in this conversation email. I Either I'm going to putting email into the single words that I'm saying here because I care about it so much. But yes, I, I think, yes, email is compared to other channels, it is cheap to, cheaper to run. But what I will say is that for brands to get out there, it's getting so much more competitive. If you're looking at organic social, organic social has changed so much in the last 10, 20 years. Algorithms are constantly changing uh, to show, like, oh, I'm gonna prioritize this content. It's not about 
when you post on organic social, it's not no longer about who's following you. It's really, really competitive out there. And the same thing can be said with organic search and any sort of search right now. You're fighting with um, Google's changing algorithms there. Like we've we've all been there. It's, it's hard for us to kind of always place on the on the first page with our keyword right now. Whereas with email, you are asking someone for their email address. And by putting that email address into a subscription box, they're already raising their hand saying they're interested in your brand. They're already saying, oh, hey, I actually want to hear about this. And yes, you might, they might be getting inundated with um, emails in their inbox, but then you've got a captured audience. It's your job to then build your brand and build that relationship with that person in the inbox right from the beginning. You can use email as just one part of that journey. Yes, you'll still be communicating with them on social. You potentially be using video. You'll be using so many different channels. But email, like I said in the beginning, it's like that one-to-one -one connection that you can get with someone in the inbox. And um, it's worth the it's worth the effort to create that brand affinity in the inbox, I believe. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And one of the things that I always talk about is I think the thing that people don't think about is that email is, in my opinion, the connector of all of those other channels. So you've got organic social, you've got, you know, paid media, all these things that you're doing with the intent of capturing someone's attention. And those are things that do have high dollars associated with them. And so many times I have seen customers who spend, you know, huge amounts of money on their media plan and, you know, in paid search and all these things. And then there is no communication plan afterwards. It's like the what's next. They mm -hmm. downloaded that report and gave you their email address. And then what? Because those people are, you know, not ready to go to sales. It's not a buying action. And it's the and then what that it always baffles me that is such an afterthought of mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to send them a welcome email. Okay, well, that's great. Like, yes, they're, you know, welcomes are good. I'm all for welcomes. But then what? Like, how is it connecting that spend to the potential, the, the spend on the, you know, attract efforts to the potential actual revenue? And so I'd love your take on both why you think people, you know, leaders especially ignore this in their strategy as well as what is your advice in how people leverage email as that connector? I think it's it's easy to ignore because I, I feel like email marketing is the less sexy of the marketing channels out there. It's um, perhaps a little bit old in the tooth. I mean, people have been doing email marketing for decades. I've been in it for 15 plus years, but that's barely scratching the surface of how long email marketing has been around. So it's kind of like, oh, we, we just kind of send an email out into the ether, but we could be doing something really flashy with paid media, or we could be doing some some really cool videos. And those will be like the, those are the things that often um, capture the attention because they're so flashy and because they're so cool and new and innovative. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's connecting with the with your subscribers or your customers. Um, so it's it, it's about kind of 
going into and kind of like taking comfort in the old school tactics of email marketing and going back to the basics of email of, of marketing in general and wanting to connect to people based on like like you said um you download a report you send a weekend welcome email and then what then you start talking about your brand maybe you build on um, the content of the report, the content of what's just been downloaded because they've already been interested in it. How can you use that as a hook to get them interested in more interested in your brand and then eventually more interested in your product? So it's, it, it, yes, email marketing is a little bit less sexy, especially when, it, when you compare it to some of the newer things that are going on out there, but it's reliable. It's one of those things that you can trust will work for you. People love, I want to say people love email. I look at my own in inbox and I'm seeing like, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't want to see how many unread emails there are in there. But but that's the thing. I think people are so used to interacting and engaging with email too. It's it's kind of like that, like I was saying, it's a comfort blanket for, for people too, to be able to, like, oh, they, they've got an email, they might not reply to it right away or they might not see it right away, but they will eventually get to it. So I think it's still valid for so many different reasons. And it's, it's, it is tough to get, um, to get by. And I think I'm probably a little bit lucky working at, an email company and the email side of things. Um, but what we've learned, what I've learned talking to other people is it's it's just getting to the back to the basics of what marketing is truly about to be able to connect to people. Yeah, because it is about that building that relationship, you know, that communication journey of how do we interact? Uh, you know, how do I get you the information that, you know, you really need at the right time? All of those things that I agree are like, it's not a lot that's new there. Um, and, you know, I think I've been been in marketing now 23 years. And when I started, we were sending marketing communications via fax machines. So I was oh, doing wow. design work for, you know, how to get something to render well when it's coming out of a fax, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of my claim to fame. But when I first got introduced to email, it was very much a game changer. And it was like, how do we tap into this? Because now we can have these one-to-one -one conversations in the same way that people are having personal conversations. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I've got a marketing email sitting right on top of an email from my grandmother. And so it's like, this is where I'm living for being able to, you know, communicate with people. And now we have a lot more text for personal communications. But if you, you know, think back, like that was one of those primary mechanisms. Um, and yeah, I do agree that, you know, I always say email's not sexy, but it's necessary. Um, it's not sexy, but it's effective. Like there's so many uh, words that you can, can fill in there. Um, so I want to turn to the report a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and talk about that. So chapter one is by far my favorite. Uh, <laughs> and kudos to whoever came up with the title, which is uh, for those that haven't read it, there's no marketing like email marketing. When I first heard that, I was like, ain't no marketing like email marketing. <laughs> email marketing don't stop. But I am one of those people who randomly sing song lyrics. Um, but it is is really true. And so looking at the report, one of the first things that you talk about is what the stat that you gave earlier, which was the 41% of marketers say that email is their most effective marketing channel. Um, and then that it also has, you know, the 36 to one uh, ROI. 
And I'd like to unpack ROI and effectiveness for a second um, because some people interpret that differently. And so I'd like your perspective on what are people defining as email being effective and how are we counting ROI on email? Yeah, that's a great question. Email is not a single touch. It's, it's a part of a journey of multiple touch points. And we see this in our own, um, in our own marketing too. It's, it, you, it's, it's often seen as kind of you, you, you send an email, you get instant ROI off of it. That's not how it works. And that's not how the customer journey works. They may get an email, they'll interact with the brand on YouTube. They will perhaps even go to your store. They will inter and there are so many different touch points along the way that the value of email, the ROI of email is kind of inserting it into the right and making sure that the brand is present via email at the right point and in the journey, in the customer's journey or in the subscriber's journey. Um, but how ROI is calculated, that's a that's a great question. We're actually running a new state of email survey this year to kind of uh, help us create some more reports. And I think so far, the majority, I think over 70% of folks have told us that they do they are not sure what their email ROI is. Um, and that's fascinating to me because email, like I said, at the beginning, like email is just one part of the journey. So trying to calculate the exact value, especially when you're not necessarily in e-commerce or you're not in retail where you send an email out and you know the value of what it costs to send that email and what you're getting off of it. If you're working in B2B SaaS or if you're working in technology sorts of companies, it, you need to calculate Yes, how much it's it's costing for you to, to spend on having an email marketing program, but you also need to consider the whole journey of where someone is going in as part of the um, as part of their life cycle too. So I think calculating email ROI is important to understand to know like how effective your email program is, but I wouldn't say it's the be all and end all of, of email marketing. It's a kind of a generalized number of knowing, okay, so this is where we are at the moment. This is what we're doing right now. How can we do this better? And then I would almost say that, see what your email ROI is and see how that, how when your ROI changes affects your overall marketing pipeline, your overall like bottom line of what, what marketing is generating. Um, but it's, it's a tricky subject ROI because like I said, like the majority of people just don't know. But I think where where we where leaders have to really consider email is like how email impacts the bigger picture. Mm. Imagine if you took email out of that. What would your losses be if you didn't send that email, if you didn't send that newsletter, if you didn't have that lifecycle program? Where would you lose? You would lose out there. And I think that could be I mean, if you want to experiment with that, I would, yes, go ahead. But I'm like, no, we, we will we will always be sending some sort of email or another. Yeah. And the I like a lot of dating analogies because, one, they're funny and two, most people can relate. Um, and the analogy that I use for email is it is a way to keep the conversation going. So if you think about, you know, you meet someone and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll compare email in B2B to, you know, texting and dating. It's like there are periods where you'll talk on the phone with that person, you'll see them in person. And those are what I consider your like high effort. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so that's what I would, you know, count as sales, like you, you 
human capital is super expensive. And so those interactions are far fewer because, you know, people have lives and jobs and all those sorts of things. And so texting with that person is that sort of low effort, uh, you know, low cost as well, way to continue that conversation with the person. Because if I think about, you know, there was a guy that I was dating and it was going well, but we both are busy people. So we probably talked on the phone every three-ish days, probably only saw each other once a week. Um, and that was all that was possible. And if I think about if those were the only interactions that we had in between, I'd have forgot about him. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like it, you, there's not that connection but those text messages here and there throughout the day, asking and answering questions, checking in, it helps to strengthen that relationship and that connection until that next major touch point. And that same kind of relationship is what is happening when you're leveraging email. Like there's only so many of those key milestones where they're going to engage with a human or there is that became an opportunity, you know, moved officially mm -hmm. in the pipeline. And you got to have some way to stay in front of them, continue the conversation, help them know, like, and trust you in between. Um, so I, I really equate that analogy to exactly what you just said is like, it's hard to calculate the ROI, but the loss would be obvious if you remove that as a form of communication. Yes, I love I love that analogy. I think it's I think I've, I, there are so many different analogies I've heard that to do with dating and email marketing because it is about relationship building. So it makes a ton of sense. Um, but it, you're right. It's it's um, the kind of the minute you stop, even if you stop emailing and someone your your brand stops appearing in someone's inbox. They may not necessarily be always opening every single one of your emails and interacting with every single one of them, but just that presence of the inbox of seeing your brand name in the sender um, sender column tells me it, it's such a big indicator that, hey, oh, I, I do remember that brand because I've done that a few times. Like I need I need a new pair of pants. And I was like, I need to, where do I get pants? And I signed up for I think it was Everlane's emails years ago. And I was like, oh. I should really check out Evelyn. And then I've, I've gone and like, this is my first purchase, but I've been a subscriber of their newsletters for years now. So it's that kind of, you, it's it's a little bit psychological that you're, you're planting a seed of your of thought of your brand in someone's mind and just kind of helping them kind of stick with it. And it's, it is challenging though, when you think, oh, but they're not opening every single email. I don't think you can expect someone to open every single email that your brand is. And that's totally okay too. Um, but it's just making sure that you are maintaining that relationship, maintaining that sight, that like a, that like a vision of, oh yeah, I'm going to remember that brand when I meet that brand. And also I think, I, I, I wish I had some like quotes or actual numbers here, but I think these days, um, especially on the technology and B2B side of things, customers are doing the legwork a whole lot more themselves versus going to a sales team versus saying, hey, I want a demo. They want to do that legwork themselves. They want to subscribe to emails. They want to check out help documentation. They want to check out the website. And then when they're ready, they'll get in touch. I think the old way of kind of thinking, oh, I'm going to, like you said in the beginning, I'm going to download this report and someone from sales is going to reach out to me. That old way is gone now. People are, people's times are stretched 
and they want to do the work themselves in their own time. So I think that like that's another area where keeping someone warmed up with email is ideal. Yeah. And I remember seeing a stat and, and, you know, I, I'm doing the best to remember the numbers, but it was like at one point buyers were roughly 30% through the buying cycle before they engaged with a human. Um, and then it was 50%. And the most recent stats I've seen have been in the upper 80%. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, it is a very different mentality And it actually, in my opinion, makes the role of email that much more important. Um, Because to your example about the pants, I just had a B2B experience in that. And I, this tool, you know, MarTech tool, I had downloaded something that they had put out forever ago, probably a year and a half ago, and was like, this would be really cool. But we didn't have a use case for it at that point. We didn't have budget for it. Like it just was, this is really interesting. Of course, because I downloaded the report, I'm on their emails periodically. I'd see things, I'd ignore most of them. And I happened to get an email right as I was starting the strategy for a project that totally aligned to what they offered. And it was like, oh, I can do this so much better if I had this technology and I reached out, we got on the phone, the guy did his usual intro spiel before the demo. I was like, okay, he gave me a trial for seven days or 14 days, whatever it was. I went in and played. We had another conversation. I came in and I was like, okay, I need to see these three specific things. He showed me and I was like, send me the invoice. Probably easiest sales cycle ever. And it, you know, and I don't, you know, they probably don't attribute it to email, but literally that email popping up in that moment where I went from not having a need for what they had offered for a year and a half to having an unrealized need in that moment, got them a sale and an easy one at that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the longest amount of that was that first initial call because you go through all the blah, blah, blahs of who are you, what do you do, you know, all that. Yeah. Um, so kind of the last uh, thing that I really want to hear your thoughts on is, in my opinion, most people are doing email marketing wrong. Um, <laughs> they are doing it in the most generic fashion. It's an afterthought. Um, and, you know, our tagline is unlocking the potential of email. Uh, and I would love to hear from you what good really looks like. So people mm. who are nailing it at email marketing, you know, whether they can prove the ROI or not, they know the ROI is there. What does that look like? What are they doing? You know, if I'm listening and I'm like, I know my email marketing is, eh, what am I striving towards? So I'd love to hear your take on that. I've, I've got so many ideas, but bubbling around in my head right now, I was kind of trying to pick one. Um, I think people who are doing email marketing well right now are um, the ones who are really leveraging newsletters. Um, I honestly think newsletters are the new nurture. Going back to kind of our original kind of idea of someone downloads a report, they get a welcome email, you throw them in a lead nurture. When they downloaded that report, they never really raised their hand to receive emails from them they raise their hand to receive a report. So the minute they start getting nurtured with all these these kind of emails that they didn't really expect, it's like, oh, hang on a sec, what's this? I'm gonna unsubscribe, I don't want to smoke. But 
with newsletters, someone's raised their hand like, oh, this is interesting content. This is going to help me in my day-to-day -day life. This is going to help me in my job. This is going to be really interesting. So you kind of lure them in with content You and they've raised their hand that they're interested in your brand. And th those newsletters, as long as you send them on a regular cadence, so it's whether it's weekly, whether it's monthly, whatever you can commit to, you are constantly showing up in that person's inbox with valuable content that they are going to consume, or maybe they're not one month, maybe they're not going to be one week, but you're still going to show up in their inbox. So I think people who are doing email well are doing things like newsletters, regular cadence newsletters, and also doubling down on their lifecycle programs. I think we know right now that retaining customers is cheaper and more effective than trying to get new customers. So lifecycle programs and really using email to trigger emails based on what's, what a customer has done, or maybe what's something that they haven't done, or um, maybe it's another way of kind of, uh, you can use um, your account managers, your CSMs, and try and encourage them to really know how to do email well, how to communicate with their customers and their clients to be able to leverage it to keep that constant engagement so that when a renewal comes up, rather than a renewal email coming up out of the blue, you've had that constant communication with your lifecycle program with the customers. So when that renewal comes up, you're like, oh yeah, we do want to renew. We, we, we do want to stay with you. And we're happy to perhaps pay that extra, extra for the renewal for the next year, whatever it might be. But I think between the two, I think newsletters from a top of funnel perspective and your lifecycle programs, they are the two biggest areas, I think, where email can be most effective for marketers right now. Very interesting. Um, I, I always, you know, not, I can say not what I expected in a response, but I <laughs> love that you've, you know, it's funny talking about newsletters because I think newsletters have gone through kind of a bell curve. Like they were really popular at one point and then it seemed like everybody had a newsletter and there were an abundance of newsletters and most of them were so salesy that they really fell off in value. Um, and, and what I'm hearing now is that doing them right or doing them different and doing them consistently becomes that, and, and, you know, thinking about it easier touch point than doing full on nurtures and figuring out, you know, what's the right communication and then looking for those opportunities where someone is exhibiting buying behavior to then mm -hmm. jump in and nurture them. And then also, I definitely always believe in the benefits of customer marketing um, and having those life cycle programs. So I love that as advice there. Um, and so talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. And so for those heads of marketing that are listening and recognizing that they're kind of meh at, you know, email, what is your recommendation for where they start? What's that one thing that they can do to start moving their teams and their leverage of email in the right direction? I think it would be to ask their teams how they think they should be doing email. Because I think one of the, like one of my favorite things to do with my own team is for me not to necessarily come up with the solutions to the problem, but for my team to rally around the problem and for them to come up with the solutions and for them to kind of investigate 
where the power of email could potentially lie because I think that's when you have those kind of light bulb moments with your team and they're like oh wait you know we could be sending an email when someone abandons their car why are we not doing that we could be capturing or even just looking asking your team where are we seeing um where are we seeing our metrics for where are we seeing our kpis now like is email a way for us to help us fix that solution but i would say like for the leaders on this call for, on, like listening to this podcast i would say go to your team and ask them where should we where should we be doing email and i think you will be surprised at the answers that you get because i think when you pose a question and when you open yourself to um open yourself to getting uh answers and brainstorming like that you can get some really great um replies yeah i i love that as an idea because quite often especially subject matter experts who you know mainly run other channels Sometimes they probably do have those ideas of like, oh, we should do this after that. But because that's not, you know, in their swim lane, they don't even bring it up. So mm -hmm. being able to like tap into everyone's collective brain to say, how do we do better, you know, with this particular channel and everyone thinking about it from their own perspectives, the work that they do, I do agree that that's a great way to get some insight. Um, and then, you know, it, it almost becomes a checklist, like, okay, mm -hmm. what's going to be most impactful? That's where we start. And also I would say, if I could add one more thing, start with the lowest hanging fruit. You don't want to go into so ambitious, like, yes, collect all of these ideas and it's great to brainstorm. But if you start with an, an idea that's too ambitious and you don't necessarily win at that and it feels like you're failing, then it might feel like you failed at email marketing. Think about what is the, the quickest, easiest win we can have right now with email marketing and run with it. I love that. Um, yeah. And that is, um, I always love starting with quick wins because uh, people feel good when they're able to, you know, get a quick win and see some results. And that gets you committed and focused for those bigger efforts that may take some trial and error to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, so awesome. Well, Jaina, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Uh, but before we go, how can our audience connect with you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Find me under Jaina Mystery. Um, I'm currently at Litmus. You'll be able to find me pretty easily, but feel free to connect with me. I am more than happy to connect to um, any and all listeners of revenue we have. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link to your LinkedIn and we will also link to the Litmus uh, 2023 state of email report uh, so that if they have not already downloaded it, well, shame on them, but we will make sure that we get that link in there so that they can see all of the rest of the statistics and insights. And I love that there's also some links to other reports in there that dig deeper into specific areas. Um, so, you know, kudos to your team. It's, it's one of the uh, better reports that I have seen this year in being able to, you know, really concisely show the info, but then also allow you to dig in a, a bit deeper. Um, so wherever you're listening or watching this podcast, check the show notes. We'll have those links so that you can get the report and to connect to Jaina. Well, thank you so, so much for, uh, for joining me. I have truly enjoyed this discussion. I love when I can talk to someone who is just as passionate about email as I am. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed my discussion with Jaina. 
We will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.